Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Uh, If you're new with us, we're in a sermon series that's entitled Jesus Said, and we're studying some of the famous parables that are found in the Gospels. These are short, fictitious stories that Jesus shared to bring to life some really, some really powerful truths. And the stories are normally kind of, they, they seem simple from the outside, but really they have a deeper meaning and deeper truth. And our goal uh, for this series is to really discover the deeper truth of what Jesus said. What, are the, what is the truth behind the words of Jesus? Today we're going to examine a parable, it's called the parable of a builder, and kind of to be more accurate, it's really a parable about two builders. And so we're going to look at that parable, and you can find that in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles here today, if you don't, no problem, but if you have your Bibles, we have, we'll have it on, this, on the screen as well, but if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open up to Matthew chapter 7. If you're watching us online, just uh, turn to that passage of Scripture. So this parable in the Gospel of Matthew follows a famous Sermon on the Mount. It's a sermon, probably the most famous sermon that Jesus spoke that we have recorded. Uh, I think it goes from Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7. And uh, it's a powerful message. And if you know, if you read through the Gospels, you'll discover that Jesus many times would teach or share or preach. Maybe sometimes he would preach from a boat or share from a boat because... uh, the reason was that on the water his voice would be amplified so people could hear. Or he would choose to all of a sudden sit down on the side of a mountain where people could gather around. And again, his voice could be amplified so people that were gathered. Wouldn't it be great to have a time machine and all of it to just go back in time and be on that side of the mountain when Jesus is sharing this sermon on the mount? I would, I mean, yeah, it would be fabulous. But it's one of those moments that where Jesus begins to share this beautiful message. And he starts off with what's called the Beatitudes, or basically the blessings of God. We kind of just sang that song where the goodness of God is chasing after you. It's the blessings of God that he starts to share with and how God blesses those who choose to follow after him. Jesus spent much of his time teaching on current topics of the day. So he talks about the blessings of God. And then he just starts to get to real life. He just starts to get to current topics. And he starts to share about how we should love our enemies. I didn't say they were easy topics. I said they were current topics. How we should love our enemies. How we should not take revenge against those who try to hurt us. How we should honor our word. How we should be truthful and honest in our word. How we should love our spouse. Yeah. Talk to me after, no, I'm just teasing. He goes on to teach about giving to those who are less fortunate and honoring God with our money and our possessions. And he talks about not judging one another. And and then the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The golden rule, you know, practice that. It was really Christian living, everyday life type of stuff that Jesus was sharing. And then towards the end of this beautiful message, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus shares about the producing the good fruit. It has to go beyond just, you know, hearing me. He says, obviously, this, when, when, when you're practicing, when you're following after Jesus, Jesus, there should be fruit that's coming from your life. There should be goodness that's coming from your life. There should be, a, there's, people should be able to say, man, there is something different about that person. What's different about them? It's the love of Christ in their life. 
Soon after that, um, Jesus makes a statement. He says that there will be some who claim to be followers, but on judgment day, he will say, I never knew you. These are the people that not, have not chosen to do the will of the Father. They may claim they may claim to know God, but, but they may even do many good things, but their heart is far from God. And then Jesus ends all of this, and you can read it for yourself, Matthew f- chapter 5 through chapter 7. Jesus ends all of this famous teaching with a parable that we're going to study today. And it's a parable about how to build a house. Anybody build a house before? I know you have. Yeah, anybody else? Yeah. This is the parable today, how to build a house. Let me read it to you today. We're going to start at verse 24 of Matthew chapter 7. We're going to end, read through the end of the chapter. Jesus' words. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey, it is It is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and when the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today's word and I pray, God, that your word uh, will penetrate our hearts. That it won't just be words on a page. But God, I pray that they will come to life to us, Lord God. For each and every person that's sitting here, Lord God, uh, we will all have a revelation, Lord God, of your word in our life. I ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. If you're new and you're wondering, why does everybody say amen? What it basically, amen, means so be it. So let, let, it's an agreement. It's an agreement of, hey, let's let the Lord do his work in our lives. This parable, as I was reading this parable, reminds me of, of the verse that Psalms 127 verse 1 and I'm sure that Jesus had read this verse and this is part of this whole process where it says unless the Lord builds the house those who labor labor in vain meaning they have wasted all their efforts because the house that they have built guess what it will not stand over time and the house that Jesus is referring to it's not necessarily a physical house he's talking about your life He's talking about who you are. What are you building with your life? Jesus reminding the people, he's reminding you and me that, uh, that, uh, that our house, our life will not prosper unless God blesses our life. You see, as Christians, we should be searching after a divine blessing, not necessarily a human blessing. Nothing wrong with human blessings. But the only blessings that are going to last through, the, through eternity, that's going to last over the, a period of time, is guess what? Divine blessings. Those are the blessings that only God can give us. And when all of a sudden God gives that divine blessing upon our life. See, we think of human blessings as those things that are monetary most of the time. And I like to be blessed. So if anybody wants to bless me with a human blessing, just come up and bless me. And Don't. I'm just teasing. I'm trying to make it light in here as I'm sharing, okay? But the divine blessings are those things that are priceless. Those are the things that you can't put a measurement on. The divine blessings are those things that go through your heritage, that goes through genealogies, that all of a sudden is life-changing for you, your family, your kids, your grandkids, and goes on, great-grandkids. Those are the changes that you can make when you choose to follow after Christ. Many times we chase after those human blessings when we should be chasing after that divine blessing. Because the human blessing is only temporary. I'm going to say it again. 
the Corvette is going to run out, okay? It's going to, all of a sudden, it's not going to run as well. The house is all of a sudden going to become an old house, okay? All the things that we think around this world that are going to last, they're not going to last forever. But the divine blessing that God gives us, guess what? That can be life-changing. Let's take a closer look at the parable. I really want to try to discover the meaning behind what Jesus said in this parable. And the first thing that we should notice in this parable is that everyone is a builder. I think it's really important to grab a hold of that truth because we can just read through Jesus' words and never grasp a hold of something that's so plain and simple right in front of us is that everyone that's sitting right here right now, you are a builder. Say this, I am a builder. Why am I? Because Jesus says that you're building your life and you're going to build your life upon something. You're going to build your life upon something that is good or something that is bad. It just depends on what you choose to do. And in Jesus' parable, he includes two builders and it's really two groups of people. I know in, in, we live in a culture today that we have a myriad of options. I mean, we have so many different things that we can choose from. I mean, from anything and everything, there are multiple options, and it just becomes more and more and more and more. Can I share a secret with you? The Bible doesn't give multiple options. You can create them yourself. You can create multiple options. But all the options outside of following Jesus are placed in one category, and that is the category of the foolish builder who is choosing to build his house upon the sand. From Jesus' parable, there's only two options. There's a wise builder, and then there's a foolish builder. All of us in this room are in one category or the other. Just FYI. If you're following the Bible, if you believe the Bible, and maybe you're a guest with us, and you, this whole thing is new, so you know, I'll, I'll try to take it down a notch. But I preach God's word. That's just who I am. Because I believe God's word can change our lives. And Jesus is sharing something that's really a a specific truth that he wants everybody on that side of the mountain to understand. Hey, guys, guess what? There's only two categories. You're going to build your life upon something. What are you going to choose today? The contrast between the two houses is that one house was built upon the sand and the other house was, 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 was built upon the rock. And the house that was built on the sand, the problem with that is that it will falter over time. It will shift. It will change. And all of a sudden, things become crooked and th- things that start to take place because the, so- the sand is soft. And the this, this soft sand will make it difficult for the structure to remain true. How true is your life? How true is your life? Um, a few, well... A few years ago, my wife and I were able, or not a few years, a couple years ago, my wife and I were able to go to Italy. And uh, we loved it. I absolutely fell in love with Italy. And we were so glad that we were able to do it before COVID because now it's like, what's open, what's not open, what, you know, it's kind of crazy. But when we were in Florence, we spent four nights in Florence. And one of the things that we did on the excursion was that we hopped a train and we went over to Pisa to go see the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Anybody seen that? Anybody been to, yeah, seen the, yeah. It's pretty cool. Probably most everybody's seen a picture of the Leaning Tower of Pisa, right? Yeah. We all know what we're talking about. It's this tower that was built back in 1173 AD. They started to build this tower, and as, as it was being erected, all of a sudden, when they got to the second floor, they, decide, they discovered that, guess what, this whole thing is shifting, and it's leaning, and it's out of sync, and it's not going to last. And So all of a sudden, they just put a halt, they put a stop to building this tower because it was going in, in an angular direction. Do you know that they stopped working on that tower for almost 100 years? 
Yeah, it was just sitting. And then all of a sudden, they discovered that the ground, and the reason that it was faulty was because they built a really small foundation, and they built it on soft ground. And that soft ground was starting to give way. So they went ahead and they decided that, you know what, after 100 years, they saw that the ground was all of a sudden becoming more secure, and they started to rebuild that, that tower. The tower is about 182 feet tall, and it leans 13 feet, which is a pretty drastic lean. If you see it, it's like, what is wrong with this thing? In 1990, they had to close the tower for two year, or for 11 years because they were actually thinking it was going to fall. And they spent millions and millions of dollars. It's been 11 years, and I think they moved the tower like 11 inches. Yeah, and it kept it from falling, so they figured out how to do that thing. And, and I was thinking about this whole thing, and my wife and I spent thousands of dollars to go to Italy. And this is one of the things that we really wanted to see was the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And how many other millions of people have gone to go see an architectural des design that was flawed. <laughs> Give it to the Italians to learn how to make money off some of a, on a building that is really a flawed building, that is leaning this direction. And you see pictures online, you'll see them on Instagram, everybody's holding up the building like this, you know, like they're not making it fall. We chose not to do that because everybody else has done that. But you travel and you go and see that thing. But I share that story because I think it gives us a mental picture, I'm hoping, what Jesus is saying when he said you build your house upon the rock or upon a solid foundation and not upon the sand. Because if you choose to build it on something soft, guess what? You're just never going to feel like you're standing upright. You're always just going to be off-kiltered. My parents built a house or bought a house in Marysville, old house, years ago, Marysville, Washington. And I remember the first day I walked into that house, I felt like I had vertigo. Everything was going another direction. It was like, whoa, you know. And you went to the kitchen, and the kitchen just sloped off. I'm going, this thing's going to fall apart. And, and when we got underneath the house and, and looked at the house, the original builder, and he cut corners. He actually used an old stump that was there, and he put the beam right on top of that old stump. Well, that stump was sinking. And so all of a sudden, the whole house on the back side was sinking. There was no secure foundation. In your life, you need to build your life upon a foundation that's going to be secure and it's going to last through time. Amen. It'll keep you going straight. It'll keep you upright in life. Because guess what? Life has troubles. It can have difficulties. When you build a high-rise building, we used to live in Las Vegas. And I, every once in a while, I'd be down at the strip, and I'd look through the, the fence. We'd have cloth over it. And I'd look through the fence, and, and you could see the hole that they, were, they, that they had dug for the foundation of the sky rise. You can't even see the bottom. It's enormous how deep they go because they have to get to a solid foundation, a bedrock. They have to have a big foundation to hold up whatever is out from the, from the top. Yeah. Building your life on the truth of God's word will keep you true and stable. Your life won't shift or collapse from the difficulties of life, the troubles. Let's think about the parable again. Both of the houses from an outward appearance probably look very similar. Because it talks about two houses being built. They probably look similar. The only difference was that beneath the structure of the house, what was underneath the house? What was the structure being anchored to? Was it secure? Many people will try to build their life on various foundations. They try, to, they try all kinds of things 
in pursuit of happiness and fulfillment. They'll try this or they'll try that because all of a sudden their life feels like, oh, it's getting out of, you know, I don't feel like, I don't feel happy. And so they start trying doing this and, and so they build their life upon this foundation and it's just temporary. It's not secure. And all of a sudden they wonder why everything falls apart. And Jesus is on the side of the mountain here. He said, if you build your house upon the rock. Amen. Remember what Peter said. When, was, when Jesus asked, who do you say I am? And, and Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus declares at that moment, he says, upon that rock. Many people think that he's talking about Peter. He's not talking about Peter. He's talking about the declaration of what Peter said. Upon that rock, I will build my church. We're talking about a building. It's the same rock that you need to build your life upon. Many people try all kinds of other things. They'll chase fame, riches, pleasure. Nothing wrong with any of those things necessarily, but those things will pass. God's word states none of those things will last. Only the things that you have built upon Jesus will you find true contentment. It's important to recognize that the foolish builder didn't necessarily neglect God altogether. If you read the parable, they both the wise builder and the foolish builder, they both heard the word of God. Both builders listened to the word of God. But the foolish builder didn't, didn't obey the word of God. He listened only. Simple truth. But man, it's hard to do, guys. It's hard to apply it to our life. It's why what Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 20, or Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Same chapter we're in. Listen to the, Jesus' words. He says this. Can you imagine sitting sitting? In that environment, and then all of a sudden Jesus shares these. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Tough scripture to all of a sudden take on and go like, how does this apply to me? And, and for me, it's, it's that walk for me is that I don't want my life to ever become a, a pharisaical life. I don't want my life to ever become where I'm all some of a Pharisee where all of a sudden, guess what? It's just religion instead of relationship. Amen. You see, what Jesus is talking about here is people who just have religion, but they don't have relationship. They don't have relationship with Jesus specifically. You see, you can have a relationship with me as a pastor. Can I tell you something today? I'm not going to get you into heaven. You can have a relationship with your parents or your grandparents who love God and, and you love to come over and hear the Bible and have they share the Bible. And that's all great. But do you know that your parents and your grandparents are not going to get you into heaven? The only relationship that's going to open the door, unlock the key to heaven, is your relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the one true thing that you can stand up that, guess what, is going to give you eternal life. There is no other option. And that's a hard, sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow for some of us because we want options. We live in America, guys. We live in America. We need options. The relationship, the only relationship that makes eternal difference is your life with Jesus Christ. Regarding the prophecy and performing miracles in that scripture, that's a tough one to understand. But I, I was just praying about it, and I just want to remind you that God will use or do anything he needs to accomplish his vision. Pastor Tom, what are you talking about? Let me give you a story just to kind of, because we've had some recent things 
with some big people in the Christian community that have fallen. And you're going like, huh? How can that happen? It's when re- it becomes about religion instead of about relationship with Jesus. And, and how, but, but Pastor Tom, how, do they, how does God use these people that have fallen? There's a story in Numbers chapter 22. You can read it yourself. The reason I give scriptures is that I want you to go back and read it. Test, test that the pastor is saying the truth. In Numbers chapter 22, you can read how God used a donkey to speak to a, a guy named Balaam. Balaam was going the wrong direction. He was disobeying God. He was going a different direction. And God literally put an angel on the side of a mountain to stop from Balaam from traveling this direction. But Balaam couldn't see the angel, but the donkey did. And the donkey would stop. The donkey laid down and Balaam kept beating his donkey because he didn't know what his donkey was doing. He kept beating his donkey. And all of a sudden, this is going to be too old for some of you, but all of a sudden we discover that Mr. Ed is found in the Bible. The voice for the donkey comes to life. God gives the donkey. I am not preaching heresy. Read your Bible, Numbers chapter 22. All of a sudden, God gives the donkey a voice. And all of a sudden, the donkey starts to speak to Balaam. And all of a sudden, God opens the eyes of Balaam. And he sees the angel that's standing in front of him. And I was thinking, if God can use a donkey, then God can use foolish people at times. He can bring about his purpose and his vision even through some of the foolish peoples of of this life because he's going to accomplish his vision no matter what. You see, the the foolish builder probably was even influenced by what he heard. It wasn't that the foolish builder didn't have any plans. He built a house. He built a house, is what it says in the Bible. He actually built a house. The problem was that he built his house or his future on the wrong foundation. Many, many people make this mistake. I'm here as a pastor to warn people, to declare to them, don't make that mistake. Jesus was making that declaration to people when he says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, he says, For wide, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. Not, not a few, many. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. The foundation that you choose to build your life upon makes all the difference between destruction and life. It's not that God is trying to hide anything from us. It's just that when we make that choice, sometimes it's a difficult choice to make because it requires us to obey and follow after Jesus. But the foundation that you build your life upon makes all the difference in the world. If I say the word Titanic... Most of you know what I mean, right? If I say Titanic, you think of the great ship that all of a sudden sunk. It was supposed to be, in its day, it was the cruise liner of the, of the, of the world. I mean, it was like built, it was like a magnificent, and people paid big bucks to be able to go on that maiden voyage of, the cru- of, that, of that cruise liner. In fact, I was reading about the Titanic. Some of the richest people in the world died that day when all of a sudden the Titanic sank because they had bought tickets on that ship. And I was thinking about it, the Titanic in its day, it had, a, it had a basketball court, it had a bowling alley, it had all these wonderful things that were built. It was magnificent. From everything from the, from the, above the surface of the waterline looked phenomenal. The problem was 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 below the waterline. The problem is that all of a sudden they thought they had this phenomenal, in fact, the, on the paper it, was, it basically said that the Titanic was unsinkable. It would never sink. 
their design that they thought they had built into the whole system that they thought was, that was just unbeatable, when it struck the iceberg, it actually failed in such a way that it buckled and it allowed water to jump from one bellow to another bellow. And all of a sudden it filled up that, that, that ship and it just, there was no saving it. It was, it was sinking. It was being destroyed. And I was thinking about that thought. And the flaw comes from what's underneath the surface of the water. And I share that for some of us. It's not what's above, it's what's below. It's what, uh, what the normal person might not see that's going to actually lead us towards destruction. It's those things in our life that we have to be willing to clean out. And I, I know it's like, that's not why you always preaching hard on service. I'm not preaching hard service. I'm just preaching reality. It's those things in our life that we need to expose and bring up to the surface. And all of a sudden, we, I used to take my kids out to, out to, in Arlington, Washington. There was this little pond, of, uh, one of our guys that our church owned. And he had this farm. And we used to go out there and we'd go fishing. And I've told this story before. And he had a little rowboat. He said, Tom, he said, anytime you want to bring your boys out, just come on out. And they were not 22 or 25 or however they're old they are now. They were like three and four years old. And so we'd go out there and. I'd roll the boat and we'd throw the fishing line and he stocked it with fish. And it was just a beautiful setting. It was gorgeous. One day I went out there to go out to that pond. I had to go visit uh, uh, Rich and talk to him for a few minutes. And he had drained his pond. I don't know why he did, but he had drained it for some purpose, for some reason. And when I saw the pond drained, it looked totally different. It was ugly. It was disgusting. He had put old tractors in there, old trailers in there. It was basically a junkyard underneath the water. And I thought about that. Is our life, you know, inside our life, is it a junkyard? Have we collected so many things in there, we just kind of keep burying it. And what we do is we chase after the pleasures of life. We chase after this, we chase after that. Because it hides this stuff that we don't want to deal with. And God says, you know what, if you want to build your house on a solid foundation, I want to be invited into your life with all the junk, with all the crap that's already there, and I want to start cleaning it up because I can do it. It's just embracing Christ and allowing him all of a sudden to change our life. That's what the wise builder did. The wise builder built his house upon Jesus, upon the rock. It was a foundation that would last for all of eternity. And it stands the test of time. He structured this house in such a way that it could survive the storms of life. See, he wasn't just looking for the present. The foolish builder built for the present. Well, this is a beautiful house. Look at mine. He never thought about the future. The wise builder, he built for the future. He built something that would last. It would last through a hurricane, it would last through a tornado, it would last through an earthquake. Will your life last through the failure of a business or the loss of a job? Will your life last through the sickness or disease that's all of a sudden pronounced upon your life? Will your life last when unfaithfulness of a spouse takes place or defiance of a child comes your way? When abuse or addictions of sins tries to enter into your house, will your life stand solid because your life is built upon Christ? That's not temporary, it's eternal. I've watched people. I've been amazed at some people. I'm talking to them and they're just, man, God is so good. There used to be an older lady, Hilda, that used to attend our church. Wonderful, godly woman. If you hear her story, it's a crazy story her life is. 
yet she's the most godly woman. I'm going, how in the world can you just sit there and all the things that you can share with me, how much God loves you, and you've gone through such difficult times. It was because she had chosen to build her life upon Jesus Christ. And the temporary things of this world didn't disrupt her. Not saying that it didn't bother her. It's not saying that she didn't go through. But she returned in faith to who Jesus Christ is. Listen to the scripture out of Isaiah chapter 28, 16. Isaiah prophesies about the Lord and the future. It's a prophecy how God is going to send his son Jesus into this world. And he writes, look. I am placing a foundation. This is the Lord's word through Isaiah. I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. If you put your belief in Jesus Christ, you no longer have to be shaken in this life because your life is built upon the rock of Christ. This is the foundation that a wise builder chooses to build his life upon. The second truth, and I just want to share right now, I have three thoughts, but the second and third are short, so you're fine. So if you're hungry, just wait with me for a minute. The second truth is that, as I shared before, everybody is a builder. Guess what? Everyone faces storms. Everyone's, if you think that you're never going to, that you're like somehow exempt from storms, uh, you're not. They're going to come your way. They just do. They're just life. We don't live in a perfect world. Someday we will. Someday we're going to live in heaven that is absolutely 100% perfect. But until then, guess what? We live in this faulty world, this, this earth that's full of sin, and we have to walk through some difficult times. No one's exempt from the faces of storms. But this is an important truth for us to understand. Because some people think like they're never going to face a storm. And there's other people that think, why is God always picking on me? Why has God chosen me out of all the billions of the people in the world? Why am I always having the problem? Guess what? Everybody has problems. It's just how we decide to deal with the difficulties in the structure. It's how we decide to walk through those things. God hasn't singled you out. But maybe, maybe God is using those storms in our life for a purpose. By the way, if we, we live in America, guys. We don't even know what storms are. Just FYI. I mean, I'm not saying that, I don't want to be light on that. I know we have difficulties. But there's some real difficulties around the world. And Jesus never said our journey is going to be easy. He just said that he'd be with us through the journey. But when we put our trust in God, we will find a strength that we might have never understood that we ever had. Because all of a sudden we're putting our trust in a foundation that is secure and it's strong. The storms of life will challenge the strength of your foundation. Think about that thought. If you didn't have any storms... You might never know how strong your foundation is. I believe at times it's in God's mercy that he allows the storms of life to test our faith. Why do you say that, Pastor Tom? Because the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Last time you had a trouble or difficulty, how many of you guys thought, oh, joy! How wonderful is this? I lost my job. I'm going to have to declare bankruptcy. But the Bible says it's a time of joy. James goes on and says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. What he's saying is that when your faith is tested, guess what? Your faith will grow. 
your faith in Christ will start to grow. You will start to believe in Christ more than you ever have before because you, guess what? Your faith is being tested and that endurance is growing in your life. I know none of us probably want to face a bunch of difficulties. But there is truth in that statement that God can give us endurance. Through our difficulties, we begin to put greater trust in our foundation of our faith, and that is Jesus Christ. The last thought, see, I told you that last point was short. The last thought I want to share with you today is this. Only those in that parable, only those who obey survived. It's a tough parable if you actually read it. There's an old song someone reminded me, Tim reminded me, the old song that we used to sing as little kids about those who build their house upon the sand. I almost thought about having Brett play that song for us and lead us all through that song. But I didn't, Brett, just for your sake. Only those who obey survive. Jesus knew that many, and I thought about this. It was kind of, if you, let's go back into the environment where we were at with Jesus. He's sitting on the side of the mountain. He's sharing from his heart. But he knows because Jesus is all-knowing. He knows as he's sharing that there's going to be many people that leave that side of the mountain. And man, they're going to think, this was so great. Did you hear all the things? Did you hear about the miracles he was doing? Did you hear about... And they're going to hear the words, but they're never going to choose to obey the words. And the difference in success for your life is for those who choose to obey the Word of God. It's to take that... That's why I'm always applying God's Word to you. I'm not, I'm not just preaching the Bible and, okay, and I never, I bring it, I try to apply it, not just to you, but to me. P, PT, Pastor Tom has to change his life as well. It's a constant, it's a journey for me to become more and more like Christ. If you're here today and you say, I'm so far from God, God I don't, Pastor Tom, you don't have any idea who I am. I am so far from Christ, there is no possibility I could ever make it. Wrong. Jesus loves brokenness. Because with brokenness, he can make something brand new. The process is a big fancy word that's called sanctification. Where Jesus saves us right at the part. Boom, we're, we're saved, we're set apart. But then there's this process where holiness starts to walk into our life. And as we just continue to walk with Christ, more holiness just all of a sudden, things start to fall off. Sin starts to disappear. And we start walking with Christ and we see change and all of a sudden, you look at the foundation that you're living your life upon, and you go, I'll never leave Jesus. That's when you know that you're secure. Is when all of a sudden you can say, I'm never going to live Christ. The Apostle Paul, or Apostle Paul, Apostle James writes it this way in James 1.22. He says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Are you fooling yourself today? Maybe, Pastor Tom, but I don't know what to do. <laughs> so simple. All you have to do is repent. What does repentance mean? It just means turning the direction towards Christ. It's saying, I'm not going to live this life anymore. It's not saying that you're going to be perfect. It's just saying that I'm going to choose to head this direction, fall after Christ. It's that simple. And for the message for today, and if you're watching us online today, and you might be sitting there and you're saying, oh my God, it's like I said before, God loves brokenness. He will take brokennesses. And he, he will take brokenness over perfection every day of the week. The Pharisees thought they were perfect. He couldn't even work with the Pharisees. 
It was those that were broken, the prostitutes, the, the tax collectors, those that were broken that God, all of a sudden, he brought, he came in after their lives because he knew that they could be changed for all of eternity. Today, I just encourage each and every one of us, let's, like a, let's chase after the goodness of God. The goodness of God is Jesus Christ. That's his goodness. Let's chase after with everything in us. Lord, I thank you for your word today. I thank you word, that your word, Lord God, is life-changing. It doesn't leave anything the same, not if we choose to obey it. It might not have impact if all we do is listen, but God, I pray today, Lord God, we will take a step not just towards listening, but we will take a step towards obedience. And God, that we will make choices in our life, Lord God, to choose to follow after you in every area of our life. I thank you for your word today, God. I pray that, God, you would set people free today in Jesus' name. For those who are living in bondage or addiction or they're struggling, they just, it's hard, so hard. God, I pray right now in Jesus' name, set them free. Set them free from the shackles as their faith continues to grow towards you, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus that we serve a risen Savior who loves us so much that you are willing, Lord God, to sacrifice everything for each and every one of us. Lord, today, we choose to live in your righteousness. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.